Last week, I, I had a big red day on Friday. And I heard in the Discord. Yeah, yesterday. What day is it? It's Tuesday. Yesterday, I had a $100 green day. Um, and, and that then, was after recovering, right? You said or some crazy? Yeah, I was down two grand yesterday morning. Um, so I looked at my stats in the afternoon and like very clearly it shows that I'm not making any money before like 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, so I came into this morning just totally planning to take it easy. And um, I took my first trade probably around like 945. Um, I had taken literally like, a f I think it was 12 trades and I had 75% accuracy on them. I was up like 860. And then on P PSQH, I took two losses for negative 950. So I was immediately red. <laughs> and uh, since then, it's just been a shit show. Um, I took a loss on SNMP. Um, I was up like 300 on LEJU. Uh. And then at one point, I gave all of that back. I was down 500 on it or 600 on it. Now I'm back up to plus 10 on it, at least. So. Yeah, I went from up 860 to down 1500 and now I'm sitting at negative 500. So Oh my god, like, that's a real roller coaster. Even even with making good adjustments, it's like nearly impossible these days. It's only worth it if you work for it. It's only worth it if you work for it. I won't stop till they hear me now. I won't stop till I wear the crown. Do you guys think it's a new cycle? I don't know. It's it's hard to know. This is the same exact thing that happened last August. Actually, um, we had HKD last, like July thirty or thirty first. Ran you know whatever twenty five thousand percent, and then um, a little bit of momentum, and then just completely zero momentum for like the next three months. Um, exact same thing that happened with SNMP and then VTGN. Um, so I don't know. I'm just trying to be careful. Right now I'm in a uh like a five thousand dollar drawdown, which like with decent trades I could make it up within one week, but there's really like nothing going on. Yeah, for me, it's I always find it so interesting that your guys' stats are so different than mine uh, when it comes to like I my trading after the open is horrendous, but I just I seem to clean up pre-market pretty okay. I wonder, I wonder what it really is because I think, I think part of it might be from seven to eight is really my sweet spot. That's where I make most of my money. And then mm -hmm. I feel like from eight to nine, it gets pretty nasty. Like a lot of the moves are kind of wrapping up and maybe you guys are starting to log in around that time, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm just not going to wake up that early being on the West coast. So I don't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. I would not. Yeah. Like there's no, cons there's no consistent runners every morning. That would mean it's worth getting up that early and going to bed that early for me, like literally just shifting my life. Um, so yeah, I just come in when I do. So that, that definitely affects my stats in terms of when I make money. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I think that that's a primary reason I'm I'm I've shifted to more pre-market trading is just because I'm trading in Europe and like I don't yeah. want to wait super super late. And same I same I imagine with Toby. I know we're always some of the first people in the Discord. 
just because our time zones. But if if we were in California or any, or something like that, West Coast, you know, we we'd probably be like mid morning or like some you know midday mm-hmm. even traders just naturally. Yeah. Except for I'm awful at free market and you're pretty good at it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I think your your trading style is a lot more aggressive. It's a bit like Tom, where you know you're buying uh, like market orders into breakouts and stuff, and I'm more of like a I'll accumulate off the the bid. Um, I don't know on on like a slow grinding ticker sometimes, or, or a ticker that at least is you know on a, on a front side, and I'll be buying off those classic pullbacks. Or I, I don't I don't really know. I just maybe it's a slower style. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But I was trading BURU pre-market and I got caught so many times buying the the ask and being, you know, $30, $40 in the red immediately because the the bids wouldn't push up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's that's what I have in my background. Just, I think it just says RU and that's what it looks like. But yeah, it's BURU and I wish I was trading this one. This is right when I was like, so I was on a train this morning and right around like this period where BURU was popping up, I was slightly north of Nuremberg. And if you know anything about like German geography, which I'm sure none of you guys really do, and I, I really didn't either till pretty recently, basically in the middle of Germany, there's there's called like the um, Sächsische Schweiz, which is another word for like, like kind of like a knockoff of like, these are the Alps, but in the middle of Germany. And it was just one tunnel after another for like 45 minutes. And what? right in the beginning, I placed a trade on, wow, what was that stupid ass ticker? It was MNPR. And then the internet just straight up went out for like 40 minutes. And I wrote that sucker like all the way down. Uh, luckily it was a small size. Um, but I, I took, I think like a, 35% loss on it. <laughs> I just made a straight $800 loser. Um, but sucks. yeah, it was, it was only 2000 shares in the end. Um, Cause I had some buy orders. I couldn't even close out. So it was like getting filled on the way down. Uh, and then for some reason I decided, Hey, you know, like, let me trade the open, but we got out of the, the mountain range and then it was kind of flat and then the internet was not good, but it was stable. So it was at least updating like every three to five seconds, which was still not good. But then I saw BURU at the open and we had that morning panic where it sold off. You can kind of see it right behind me where, you know, it, it sold off a little bit and I just started buying into that and then it popped up and I just started selling and that kind of put me back green or not green, but a small red day. When you say you start buying interest, are you averaging down because you like that spot? Yeah, that was a that was a little bit chaotic. I usually don't trade like that. I think probably I was a little bit butthurt, no revenge trading. But yeah, it was. I was assuming it was going to have a morning panic, like a four to seven percent sell off at the open. That was my thesis. I wanted to accumulate there, and then I wanted to sell into a breakout back above the nine EMA. Ideally, hold a bit longer. But honestly, I was kind of happy to be green again that I just started closing it out and it was probably for the best. It got halted and then it halted down. So uh, it would have not worked out. So sometimes what I've noticed is when I'm red already and I'm trending red, sometimes just taking some green, not looking for that 
you know, home run trade, because I usually don't get those anyway, just taking some profits. I mean, that that popped up so quick. It was like a mm -hmm. 10% move. So I was like, if I don't take this, I'm going to regret it. So I started closing out my uh, my trade pretty quickly. Yeah, BORU was just disgusting. Looking at the daily candle now. Yeah, it was. From 65 cents yesterday to opened at $2 today, and now it's just a, a more than a dollar red candle. It tells you everything you need to know about the market right now. I totally agree. And to take that even a step further, if you like look to your left on BURU, which I'll share my screen, um, this is something I always... I feel like any decent trader will will say, you know, zoom out first and look at the daily. And every time mm -hmm. this ticker pops, it drops, right? So yeah. that's a little bit of a, an ongoing trend. And you really don't want to uh, not acknowledge those kind of situations because... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I it, definitely take that into account. And does. actually... Maybe I can share my screen too, because um, I have mine set up just a little bit differently than I have been. All if right. you would yep. allow just... me to roll down my windows, Dad. <laughs> Should we let him? Who knows what there he's going to do? So I have my one-minute chart here. Now you can see it. So I have my one-minute chart here. Uh, I have my five-minute chart. And... Sometime last year, I added the 15 minute chart just recently, as in like a week or two ago, I added the hourly chart now as well. And then I just keep my daily chart just little over here because I don't really need it that much. I just need to see the major levels um, and kind of more specifically if there's a daily setup. But yeah, I look, I really pay attention to that for sure. Um, like you're saying it, it, whatever happened here closed 270 one day opened at 560 the next day had a bit bit of a pop and then completely sold off um must have ipo'd back here in february but mm -hmm. yeah i think that's super important um but then i also have the hourly chart in frame here as well now i wonder if there are any good examples um like snmp today had a had a good example of why the hourly chart is important now too um because there's this major level and i tried to take it right around the level here and i got <laughs> i took like a 30 cent loss on not very big size so that didn't help my day much at all but um i've been paying attention to this too because these levels aren't going to show up in the daily chart but they're obviously really important so I've been kind of looking at that as well. The one hour chart. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how it like swipes that liquidity and just rips lower. Yeah, exactly. And you can see that so clearly here. Whereas, um, let's see, does it really show up on the, yeah, I mean, I guess you do have the topping tail and the, the, uh, the open of this candle here at that level but unless you're kind of looking for that like this is really clear this is a little bit harder to find yeah there's only like one attempt on the daily there's like what four right there on the one hour yeah exactly so like this is really obviously a major level and that's on the hourly too so 
Yeah, one attempt, two attempt, three, four, four attempts on the hourly. Yeah, that <clears throat> it's really important to have that price range, huh? I mean, if you were if you didn't have it, you'd definitely be flying blind. Let me see. A little bit. Let's I've got see. an eye on MSGM as well, because the daily, if it could break the 720 trigger, daily looks really nice, but it's having some trouble. What about you, Colby? How's how's the market treating you? Because uh, it's finally not trending up every day. <laughs> oh, it was kind of funny because obviously I've been waiting to short this shit for like nine months, right? Well, last week, where, where was I? At the fucking beach. So <laughs> tell us about your traumas. <laughs> Dude, it was Tuesday. I was leaving. We, I think that the day I left, I was checking my phone. I left at like 4 a.m. It takes like six hours to drive to the beach. And I look at my phone and we gap down like 25 points on the SPY, which is, well, the ES, the futures, which is obviously insane. That doesn't happen ever. And You're then like, I was happening. like, oh shit, it's happening. And I'm going to the fucking beach. Can't wait for this shit. And it's a different kind of beach trip because it's not like I'm going with my family where I can like, you know, trade for like two hours here and there and just like still hang out with my family. I was going with my girlfriend. So like I had to spend all the day with her. I can't just like ditch her for two hours. So that was just funny because the whole week I didn't trade at all. And I kind of saw it as like an opportunity to be like, you know what? Like the market is moving down strong this week, but guess what, bro? It's been moving up strong the same way for the last nine months. So maybe if I can sit this whole week out and just watch this thing slowly grind down, it'll like help me realize that going long is actually way easier than going short. And I should just be more willing to do that in the first place. Cause I wasted so many good opportunities in the last nine months because I'm just so short biased, but well, specifically, yeah. you know, long biased when the market's going trending up and short biased, you know, when, when there's yeah. a downtrend. Yeah. I think that's that's the key. So kind of riding the trend ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, so I didn't trade at all. And then this week I traded yesterday a little bit in my little like evaluation account. And then I had like a $200 green day and I was like, oh, that wasn't bad. And then I checked my Ninja Trader shit. <laughs> And they never logged me into my fucking evaluation account. So it didn't even matter. And the whole day was done on like a simulator, which was fun to find out after I made $200. So then I was like, you know what? I think I'm just not doing these evaluation accounts because what the fuck am I doing that for? If I can't make money with the smallest size possible with my own money, there's no reason for me to go do some bullshit where I can size up and not risk more of my own money. You know, if you can't do it with uh, one share, like you're not going to be able to do it with 10. You're not going to be able to do it with 100. You're not going to be able to do it with 1,000. So it's like, I just want to go just pull it back and really focus on trying to say no more. Like when I see a trade, I want to be able to be like, if this isn't perfect, I'm not going to take it and I don't give a shit. And that's what I'm trying to do this week is just say no, unless the trade is really, really good. It's probably something we could all do. That's Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do more, much more of lately as well. Taking that's that I, the only thing I find really tough with that to some, to some extent is like, you have to like sometimes take steps to know if it's good or not. And yeah. if it's just not good, you just close it. Right. Uh, but obviously with what you're doing, it's a bit of a different style. Yeah. It's just small cap, large cap thing again, small caps. It's like kind of have to stab it. Yeah. I've been trying to stab less. Like today probably is the first day that I've been trying to stab less because most of the stabs don't work. <laughs> um, 
at least in the last couple of weeks or so. Um, so I'm trying to just wait until there's more of like a good setup. That, that's also a very valid point. Yeah, that's just so hard to know whenever it's good. It really is because usually when it's good, <clears throat> the second you know it's good, everyone knows it's good. What does that mean? Expected value in the trade is going down a lot. So I know everyone's always like, oh, you know, wait till you're on the right side of the V and like don't take reversals until the trend has already flipped and like yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, like you can't deny the fact that if you're doing a reversal, the best entry is at the low of day or the high of day. You know, that's where the expected value is the highest because the chances of it reversing from there are, you know, very like not likely, but the risk reward when you add it into the expected value, that's whenever it makes it like really good. Yeah. Let me, let me share uh, this ticker drug <clears throat> that I uh, probably made the most money on, or I, I made the most money on today. Not probably. This kind of, I feel like highlights a little bit what you guys are saying or what we're all saying is, you know, you have these pops, but afterwards there's not a lot of follow through. So with drug, for example, you know, we had a five minute front side here over the former five minute. And I bought this one minute pullback, but I wasn't really looking for continuation. <clears throat> I hear I had a, uh, I didn't get my entry, unfortunately, but I just did really small size. Again, I was on a trade and uh, a train and I, I didn't really feel comfortable with my internet, but, um, you know, I didn't, once I, once it started, you know, consolidating here, I didn't keep trading it. Cause I was just like, you know, this market is basically, you get one opportunity and that's about it. Uh, I did a little bit of a range trade here, which often I don't do, but I kind of like the fact that it was forming a potential round of bottom, which took a lot longer to play out. This was like a scratch trade. Um, and then my last trade on this one, I really like the fact that we kind of had a fake out here, uh, held somewhat okay. And then we're starting, starting to crawl up with decent volume. So when I, I saw this one do a micro pullback here, especially after the break of VWAP, I jumped in on this one. Again, looking for that last pop, just because I figured after this pop, it'll probably fade. And that's actually what happened. The... What I didn't do very well here is I didn't size properly and I didn't hold this one long enough. Again, I, I don't want to blame it all on the train, but I was a little bit traumatized after I, I just took a $750 loss because I the, the train issue, my internet going out. So I didn't really want to throw a Hail Mary again. But this was one of those opportunities where I should have because it was a really good expected value. We just popped over VWAP. So even if this, you know, fakes out or fails, there's probably going to be an attempt. While over here, you're already looking at that second, maybe even third pullback, depending on how you want to call it. But yeah, man, we just don't get a lot of opportunities and a lot of resolution. So yeah, you want to see that opportunity. You want to jump on it very quickly, ideally with good size and then kind of, you know, piss off more or less because man, like, Every time I overstay or try to trade a ticker twice or three times in terms of like back to back on the front side, it just has not been getting resolution, which is kind of standard in terms of like summer lull trading, unless you get like that one really good ticker a month or a week, maybe at best. A month, a month lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's been my style. I just, that big loss today still put me red on the day. So Cut your losses really, really quickly. For me, taking stabs is really important. That's what I did on MNPR, but I was not able to close my stab. Um, but today should have been an okay green day. You know, nothing crazy, but should have been like between three and $700, I would say. 
Um, if that would, would have just been a scratch, my big loss. So got to keep those losses small. It's tough. Cause like you're saying, you know, like I'm trying to say, uh, I want to say no more to the market, which is also including like days where I, like, if I was on a train, I probably wouldn't have even tried to trade. But the problem with that is that, you know, let's say you want to take a bunch of stabs on a ticker and you just don't know, like, is today going to be that one day of the month where this thing goes 2000%? No one knows. And everyone's just kind of sitting around waiting to see. And it's like, whenever that happens, do you think that people like Ross just kind of trade normally? And then at the end of the day, they're like, oh shit, I made hundred K today because this ticker is up so much. Or do you think that they're like constantly sitting around waiting for that you know, rare opportunity. And then when they see it, they're trying to just like punch it into the ground. You know, I feel like maybe, maybe it's more likely that our big green days will kind of happen without us even trying to make them big green days. They just are the, you know, we're just trading normally and the market is going to give you some random opportunity and you're going to look at your P and L and you're going to be like, Oh shit, made $2,000. And I thought I was going to make 500, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, the first thing that came to my mind is something I've really, it's a trend I've noticed again and again and again. So when it's, when the market's a little bit slow and then we have that one ticker that rips like 400%, all, a lot of the good traders from Ross to um, people in our discord, uh, Danny uh, and warrior trading. And like a lot of us will actually be like hit max loss on the day. Mm-hmm. And we just absolutely fumble when, when like a new trader, somehow they made a little bit of money because, you know, they they made mistakes, but mistakes where they were um, forgiving, very forgiving. While we were chasing, we weren't ready for it. And we're just like, it wasn't part of our calculation because we just assume every day is going to be a little bit crappy. So if a ticker runs, we just don't <laughs> trust it. While in 2020, when it was really hot, Ross was able to have you know multiple days where it was just hotter and hotter and hotter. So he geared up for that. And then he was able to have like, you know, $500,000 days. Uh, Daniel knows better than I do his, his profit, but I think he had some like, a few days over a quarter million and it was just insane. Uh, but yeah, like to, to fully answer that question, Colby, I, like, I really do think that a good day, uh, people that, like a good trader doesn't really plan for it. They kind of just trade the environment they're in. And if a good day usually catches us off guard is, is my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. The, I think one of the most advanced skills to develop as a trader is um, that just sitting and waiting and recognizing what kind of price action and move we're having and whether that calls for being aggressive or not. Um, and what's really hard right now about that is you'll have one day that is just completely ice cold. And then like yesterday morning pre-market, you had VTGN go from like four to $60. and then all the way back down. So it's like, what can you do with that? <clears throat> so that makes it really difficult. Ticker pissed me off yesterday. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was trading the front side and I was getting smoked all the, the whole time. And I was only trading a hundred shares because I was trying to be super yep. conservative and not, not screw up too much for the start of the day. And then I did the same exact thing. 500 bucks immediately. I was like, what? You know, and that's like, I don't like, you know, it's kind of a cold market. So I don't know if how many chances I am going to have to, to make back yeah. this 500 bucks once the market opens. Yeah. 
Oh, I took a- two trades with like a hundred shares. I was down seven or eight hundred immediately. Like was this yesterday? It hasn't even opened yet. I woke up yeah. five minutes ago. Um, and then the break of like 26 or wherever it was that it had stopped. Like 25 and up. a quarter or something. Yeah, I took that with 250 shares and I went from negative 800 to plus thousand on it. And then yeah. it went to six. It, it pulled back a little bit. I took a hundred shares on the pullback at 54 and I sold them at 40 and I was back down to negative 800. Wow. Oh my God. Like was this the day it hit 60? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yesterday pre-market. Yesterday pre-market. It skipped from like 25 to 60 in like what Everything five was, minutes? It was insane. Yeah. You were oh, those are one minute one. candles. Holy yeah, oh those are God. one minute candles. Oh. <laughs> Go to that one minute candle where right before 60. I don't think I I don't know how I would have traded this, but I wish I would have been at least watching it. That's so <laughs> I, That's I did. I did manage to finish the day up about 900 on it, but like it was, it was nonsense. That set up right around 25 bucks. That was, yeah. you punched there, you could have made a ton of money. That's, that's what I did. That's where I recovered the loss and sold way too quickly. Most of my position, you know, I didn't know it was about to rip to almost 70. <laughs> this, was like a, this was a tough trade. Minute. 18 after one I, minute green candles. I was down 500. I was too traumatized to keep trading. Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a ballsy trade. That's because it's already up. I mean, what are we, what are we at? I don't know. But there, there was specific price action that I saw. It had been holding up and the, the support was pulling up to resistance. So it was making an ascending triangle. And then I saw there was a specific seller on the ask that, started getting eaten up and that's when i took it mm. and then it just flew wow this was had had that resistance at like 26 or whatever for like 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 three or four or five minutes so it seemed like if it could break that trigger it could have a move i had no idea it was going to move like it did but... yeah and it wasn't pulling back too hard either it was just it was kind there of were like a... no pullbacks <laughs> until it just it hit the top and went straight back down. That was wow. that was the pullback. Wow, I totally didn't even look into this ticker at all. I, I think I saw you guys talking about it in the Discord, but who knows what cow farm I was on? But yeah. wow, <laughs> yeah, you didn't miss anything. Like it wasn't good to trade. <laughs> there, was, there was a fairly big spread on it, so it was it was challenging. Yeah, it looks really tough to trade. I mean, even in hindsight, it looks tough to trade. I mean, these are like. Yeah. You know, 100% candles are like 50%, 25% candles. It's, it's kind of a good example of like whenever a good quote opportunity is actually an awful one. <laughs> like you look at it, you're like, oh, wow, 20,000%. And you try to trade it and you're probably like, I bet 80% of the people that traded that shit lost. Yeah. Yeah, probably. More well, and there was somebody even too. in our, so there were, so Jess, um, one of the other teachers and mentors with warrior, he, this is his like ideal type of stock. He'll take something that's really low volume. that's just going straight up. Um, he's had some like 40, $50,000 winners recently on stuff like that. And then yesterday he made like 26 on that 26,000. Um, but somebody in our chat lost 15,000 trying to short it. Yep. So 
And then there were a whole bunch of other people that were red on it. I was already going to say someone, someone lost shorting this one heavy with, yeah. what was the guy's name you said? Who, who, this is his setup. He, he looks for Jess, Jess. What, what does he exactly look for in this? Because like just ridiculous spreads that are shooting up or like, like, what is he? <laughs> he usually likes lighter volume stuff that has a catalyst, whether it's news or technical and with a good daily setup. Um, and it depends on the, the, the moves that we're seeing in the market lately. Um, but like, especially in June and July, we were seeing a lot of stuff that was, that was halting and then staying halted for a while and gapping up a dollar or $2 or whatever. And he would just hit them hard at the halt level in the first halt, even it was, if it was like super light volume, um, and he would just be in from the first halt and he would get you know, it would gap up a dollar or two, go straight into the next halt, and he would start selling like five or ten dollars up on you know two, three, four thousand shares. Damn, freaking what a winner, wow. dude! That's that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's a home run strategy. Yeah, <clears throat> kind of. Yeah, I'm making ten k today or nothing, <laughs> or mm, pretty much. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's how he trades. Yeah. I know a few people that trade like that. It's always so fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he makes good money. Mm -hmm. So anything, anything can work, right? As long as you you find some sort of edge. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's probably got to fit your personality a little bit because I don't know if Mm -hmm. I can do that. I'd probably get a hard. It's hard for me to do that stuff. Yeah. But that's what he loves and he's really good at that. And there's one other guy too in our chat that he, uh, he, he, he like joined this year or something like that. And he trades exactly the same. Hmm. Wow. It's really interesting to see. They'll both just call out like I'm long, whatever random stock that like no one else was really looking at. It's yeah. Sometimes I I feel the same. Someone will call out a ticker and that they're maybe doing really well on. I just look at it. And I'm like, I wouldn't touch that with the ten foot pole. You know, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. That ticker's dead to me. But and then it halts cool. and then it gaps up and you're like, uh, yeah, it's did like I miss something. Yeah, then the FOMO kicks in. Uh, Toby, what? Or Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna ask Toby what um what's he been you know what what have you been working on or anything that's been tricky? I've covered everything that we that I've been working on. I'm trying to take more setups and not stab as much. Um, being trying to be a little bit more patient, wait for for something to set up and to make sure it's pretty a plus before I get into it. So I'm reducing the amount of trades. Um, I've actually had pretty good last last like two or three weeks not not a lot of big winners but every day has been just a small green day which was has been nice Uh, yeah build that confidence yesterday was a little bit of a shit show got myself red grand pretty quick and then uh kind of bounced out of it a little bit and then got back down to a grand and then managed to get myself green at the end of the day so so that was good no, well, that was two days ago that it happened. Yesterday was a little less stressful. And then today was very, very easy. Only made like 150 bucks, but had like a handful of trades and took a nap when the market opened, actually, because I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm surprised you woke up from that nap because it's already so late. That's probably what it called it. Yeah, you. you I, I stayed up until like five o'clock in the morning my time watching uh, Palantir earnings. <laughs> what the hell are you doing that for? <laughs> I've been trading that kind of a lot lately too. Mm. So I, I ha- I've had a position since like $7 when it was all oh, the way wow. down to $7 and I tried to accumulate from there. And now I'm selling covered calls. And then yesterday I, I knew we were earning. So I, I dumped a bunch of shares when it, when it was like 18, 18, nine or something. And then, uh, and then was fingers crossed hoping for some negative result on the earnings and it was kind of flat earnings, but it's down today. So then I was able to jump in again and sell a bunch of puts to try to reaccumulate the position at a lower price. That's cool. So basically yeah, on a monster hundred dollar days actually this week have been like, I made like five or 6,000 bucks because I've been wheeling everything, all of my shares. Wow. Yeah. Switching, switching around to options is really, it's always tempting. Sometimes I take stabs at it, but man, the the expirations get me pretty good. That that theta. Well, that's yeah, why I don't. Extremely hard. That's why I'm always I'm always selling. I just take the money. Yeah, you're just selling covered calls. Taking the premium. There's no, you don't have a theta problem when you when it's when you're selling a put and selling a call covered call. So yeah, it's, it's a little easier, but you have to have a lot of cash up front to to be able to purchase X amount of shares or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that for a bit with, I think it was a coin. Um, it is, it is a pretty nice thing to do. Uh, I'll probably get back into it, but yeah. Interesting taking like, you know, practicing another strategy, especially a strategy you can do with a bigger account. I like to also work on stuff like that, but it's, it's interesting hearing you working on it and specifically what you're doing with selling covered calls. And then yeah, I like to keep dabbling in it because it's, it's much more passive for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not stressful whatsoever. Sometimes it's a little stressful, like, like when you're down twenty five hundred bucks and you're trying to, you know, make a good trade, throwing out there, you know, throwing out five. I, I've been, you know, last month I've a couple of times I've caught myself and had to slap myself in the face because I'm in with like ten thousand share size and I have no business being that big right now. Yeah, I saw. I, yeah, I saw your your chart you sent me for your from your Friday trading, the one that was really hectic, and that that drawdown was crazy. I mean, you came back to break above break even, which is just insane. But yeah, I mean, it took I don't know fifty trades after after the big drawdown, and the drawdown was so steep and so quick that that stuff definitely makes you pretty tired. And then you come in the next day a little bit more exhausted, and then. It's uh, it's it hurts your confidence a little bit too. So, but yeah, at the same it's time, cool. it grows your confidence because that recovery is just your recoveries are insane. <laughs> They're beautiful. It's 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 nice to be able to be able to do that, but I think it will. It's dangerous at the same time because you might try too hard to get out of something that once you're drawing down too much, you need to be able just to call it a day. Um, but I need to parlay that into, you know, obviously I have a, a skill or an act to be able to make that. And I should, I would like to see myself making that in a day, not going red and then having to climb out and then being small green for the day where I could have 
pretty solid green days. And I think I could do it fairly consistently at this point, just haven't quite put all the pieces together yet. Yeah, it's, it's funny because Danny was saying, describing himself uh, as, you know, I, he putting himself in the hole first and then having the big days or like, if I remember Danny, you were saying you always started off red and then, and so if you could just not be in the hole, you'd have these huge days, but yeah, uh, that's just, that's trading a, a little bit. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I came into the market this morning trying to do was, um, not starting a hole. And I did really well. My first trade immediately, I think it was like 2000 or 2,500 shares for, uh, no, it was 2000 shares on drug from 597 to 612. So it was immediately just one in out, no scaling either way for 300 bucks. So that was nice, nice way to start the day. Mm. Um, and then couple other winners here and there very small winners today um but yeah like i said i got myself up to 800 green and then two losses on 1500 shares each for like 30 cent losses each and immediately i was red <laughs> so and i've been red since yeah so it's like i really came into the market this morning with a good plan. I, I did the plan. And even then just two losses on smaller size. Um, like most of the trades that I'm taking now, especially in like the like three to 10, three to $8 range, I'm trying to take them with like two, three, 4,000 shares ish. Um, so like PSQH, I took 1500 shares twice, lost 30 cents twice. It's like I just got totally screwed. That's a brutal one. PSQH. Yeah. Um, what attracted you to this one? The, it's kind of a it, lot of bounce. Well, yeah, look at it. it. It was early. It was on the first move up, I think, around like 1140 or something like that price. Um, right. Mm. That's where it was. That's where it was trading, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 11, 11.40. And I was trying to take, I got a fill at like 11.34 or something like that, that I had to stop out at like 11.03. And then it bounces right back up to 11.40 something or whatever. And then it comes back up on that green candle that comes into the double top. Um, I took some shares. I got filled at 11.40. So like even a pretty good fill there, potentially to go through 11.60. I think I got some profit out and I had to stop out the rest at like, like 11 again. Um, I probably should have just totally stayed away because it was a week or two ago that PSQH was like by far my biggest loser on the week. Oh, yeah. So like, it's just not a good ticker for me. I know it was it was it, 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 it had a big squeeze. On the yeah, on those days that it was trading like 20, 25, 30. Um, pretty sure I was red on like all of that. So it's just not a good ticker for me. Also, a really awkward kind of early afternoon. Yeah. Squeeze. And the news, there was actually even news on it today was like Tucker Carlson something about investing. And I should have known better because 
like it's kind of funny uh dwac you know trump's stock yeah and i guess now this one tucker tucker carlson socks um those kind of shady politician stocks they behave like you would expect them to <laughs> what the politicians so, do <laughs> yeah exactly so i should just know better at this point so i'll probably avoid them going forward these would be great to have a documentary about just like what went on in the back end. Probably yeah. so much weird stuff. Yeah. Honestly, PSQH was very similar to what I was mentioning with BURU or even um, drug where you get that, you know, you get a nice five minute breakout and then you get like maybe one or two one minute pullbacks, but then it's, it's dead. And then it starts fading. And yeah, it kind of sums up the market. So I think I could probably take on more base hits, uh, you know, decent green days by just kind of trading that strategy, but I'll probably miss the big runners. I'll maybe even be right on the big runners because I'll trade them totally wrong. But I think I'll probably do that going forward until, until we see a little bit more consistency and then I'll trade that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth pullback. But man, right now, tough. What's Tesla doing right now? I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to find anything right now. I'm down 580 for the day, which like if I hit, if I hit one decent move, I could get myself green, but Tesla's not going to do it for me. <laughs> uh, in the hunting phase. Some people, yeah. Some people in chat are calling out CRDF, which actually looks interesting needs to hold up it's pretty high float though huh is it i, I didn't know. look how much not sure 45 million shares outstanding i don't know what the float is yeah yeah that's that's right on the border of what i would be interested or not yeah same probably not in this market we haven't seen anything with like higher than 20 million float actually having good price action lately. Yeah, 40, 41 million float. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's definitely got a bit more room to run, but man, it's uh, hmm. looking okay right now, though. Yeah, good volume. Okay. Well, actually, for the pullback. This is like pre-market kind of volume. Like this is what I'm looking for. If this was if this was like 7 a.m. right here, I would be jumping in on this one like crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, based on my strategy. And the volume is pretty perfect. But for after the market open, like you'd kind of expect to see this like over 500,000 shares being traded, maybe closer to a million for $2 stock. That's 3 million on the day so far. It is actually quite nice on the day. It's not too bad. The trick is you just have to become the volume. <laughs> I just got 50 bucks on that bounce on bounce back. Nice. There we go. Just yeah, small. It was it was now it seemed like in. there were some hidden sellers at 220, so I didn't get in. Now you got a better seller coming in. BURU on the days at 75 million shares, roughly. So yeah. to put it in perspective. 
or even NBAX, which was very hectic. I mean, this one's at like 24 million. MNMPR, which was my disaster, is at like 6 million on the day. Is this easy to borrow? Drugs at 27 million on the day. Uh, easy to borrow? I think it is. How to tell if it's easy to borrow short a thousand shares. <laughs> <laughs> Five bucks, I'm out. <laughs> it doesn't say on TOS. That, yeah, it was usually when it doesn't say on TOS like that, it's easy to borrow. That's what I know. That's funny. But hey, um, I mean, it's still trending and the volume's getting there. You know, was at 300. It's not too bad. I'm not, I, on my watch list, though, I have it set up so it tells me which stocks are hard to borrow or easy to borrow on the column right next to the name. Oh, that's a good idea. Should maybe do that. And it's just yeah. H, HTB. If you just type, type in HTB, it'll give you the HTB slash ETB. Um, just got to edit. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, here it is. Customize. HTB? Yeah. Oh, here it is. I'll just add it for now, and then I'll move it around. Honestly, I almost never look at the market cap. I should probably just remove this one. I kind of write down the important tickers, and then I just use dollar volume to sort. I just like to have it. It's, it's good to know, or at least I think it's good to know if it's if shares are available to short or not. For sure, it's super good. None to borrow, hard to borrow. I wonder what's better, none to borrow or hard to borrow? Probably irrelevant. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a good column to leave up. I'll probably try that for a while because I've noticed I never look at the market cap. I look at the market cap initially, but I usually do it on this page. And then I kind of make a thesis for myself and I write it down on my notepad. Um, but then I don't really look at it anymore. I've noticed that, but... Hmm. I don't know. Definitely worth playing around. Colby, were you going to say something earlier? I kind of cut you off there. Apologize. I was just saying that because uh, we were talking about that guy with the home run strategy. Yeah. And it just it was just a random thought. I was like, I wonder if like every trader would be exponentially better if we couldn't even know how other people traded. Like what if no one ever told you rules? They never was like, don't average down and you're a loser. Don't like do all these, you know, cliche rules. I wonder if everyone would just be way better off. i I bet you we would be because if you just traded your personality, as we all know, it doesn't take some fucking like, oh, I'm going to go calculate the phases of the moon and the, and the fucking sun rotation to get a strat. No. Okay. Like you're in a fucking uptrend. You get a higher, low, higher, high, boom. Strategies are easy. The human part's hard. But whenever you see everyone doing all this weird shit, you're like, oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. Whereas if we just, if someone just put the market data right in front of our face and gave us four years, I bet most people would probably make money. Yeah, I could see that. I, that's kind of what I was telling you a couple of pods ago. I feel like uh, I was like saying something along the lines of just trying to figure out what works for you and like really focus on your own trading. Cause I know you were diving into all different sorts of stuff again. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, nice. I, it is good to do research, but I had to really figure out what works for me as opposed to like learning from other traders. And that's, that's what got me profitable. Yeah. I, I always wonder if it's better to just stick to one thing or to try to like do multiple things, especially whenever you're in like the stage of me where I don't make any money anyway. Like 
what if I just went back to small caps and it was just exponentially easier for me to make money than index trading or <laughs> trading large caps or just, I have no idea, you know, maybe I just chose, I know, right? Like, I mean, what, I'm, it's not like I'm going to lose right. any more money, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, Colby, join us. Join <laughs> us. I have yeah. like multiple When's accounts last... that I could use to do that. <laughs> When's the last time you saw a large cap move 1,000%? Well, every day with options. <laughs> All right. And options yeah. are basically turn any large cap into a penny stock. That's what they are. That's, that's yeah, fair enough. But fair if you can't short options, you're already like within, it's already going to be like a, you have a 40% chance of winning compared to like 60. If you just short options, you're already have an edge because the theta is built into the option. Like, why would you go long in an option if, there's a literal law that says as this option moves forward in time, this will decay. You can, mm -hmm. and you can make money on that decay, but you need a fuck ton of money to do that. So unless you're shorting, like, like what Toby was doing, like Palantir or something, but I want to do it on the spy. I Palantir. No. Yeah. Selling calls or whatever, or anything no, like I'm that. Not selling, I'm selling puts. So I'm, I'm trying to, my puts are at 1550. I sold them. I sold a bunch of shares at 18, 1890 and then trying to rebuy them at 1550. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't you need, you need to be able to cover a hundred shares of the price to do that per yeah. option. Contract? I, yeah. I, I want to, yeah. I, I actually want to get put those shares. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you're basically you're like taking the premium and then getting the shares at the same time. And then they're going bouncing back up. That's how you do it the correct way. But if it goes yeah. down, then screw it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're basically riding the trend right now is ultimately what that strategy is. That's interesting. Yeah. Tough. Come on. Like in, in terms of different strategies, I would just say you probably have to get good at one first. If you try to do more strategies at one time, it's yeah. you trip over. That was my mistake in Q4 or Q1. Cause I was like, oh, let me try to hold my strategy a little bit longer and i just started tripping over myself so hard because it was two conflicting strategies in my head yeah i think for me like i don't think it's a coincidence that i love taking reversals i think that that is genuinely what i would be good at but i try to do all i try to be like oh no but if i just trust the trend like everyone always says and i always try to do continuation trading then i'll be way better off well i looked at all my stats for the last like two and a half years of continuation trading and reversal trading and they are both 30% win rates. So it's not like I'm real. it's not like continuation is going to be easier for me, but my reversal trading actually makes money in relation to continuation. Like I have a still have a low win rate with continuation, which doesn't even make sense. But uh, I think it's just playing into the fact that I don't know what the fuck it is about me. I like taking reversal trades. And if I can learn how to delete, you know, like 30% of the trades I take, or even 5% of the trends, the trades I take where I lose, then I would make money in that strategy. So that's why I'm trying to sit back more and be like, try to say no, unless it's like a perfect setup and it's like jumping out in my face and it's like, you have to take this, but yeah. What works sometimes best for me when it comes to larger stocks uh, is only analyzing the markets for like 15, 30 minutes pre-market, placing my limit orders and walking away. I feel like all my best long trades are like that every time i do like a midday let me make a trade mm -hmm. it goes really poorly yeah 
Um, yeah, I think for yeah, that'd be nice if you're since you're small cap primarily, like you can kind of just let shit run and you don't care, you know. But if that was like your only income and you were trying to make money off of just coin, I'm sure you'd probably be like way more glued to the screen and you know stuff like that. Whereas you're just kind of using it as like, you know, like yeah. a that's a really swing. good point. I I kind of like it's not my real job. So I can kind of set it aside and place those limit yeah. orders and come back to it tomorrow, as opposed to if it was my main job, it would, yeah, it would, it would, I would trip over myself, keep checking it or something. That's, that's funny that you say that. Cause that's what I would do with small caps. Cause I was like, dude, I should trade small caps. And what I'll do is just trade with like a hundred shares, try to accumulate on like a daily support level, one hour support level, 30 minute support level, and then try to just sell it into like a whatever, 15% pop or whatever, something like that. I wouldn't be wanting to do the trading that you guys do where you're in and out so much because I just, it wouldn't be my main focus anyway, but. you Do you buy the ask in pre-market, Alex? Sometimes, Never. yeah. Like I, I do like a, a proper breakout, you know? And if if there's a, sometimes you'll see an ask, there's like 200 on the uh, on the ladder and it's just getting chipped away. I, I often start chipping into that as well. And then you get these nice little pops. They don't always happen, but if the five minute is looking good, especially if it's like a new five minute candle and let's say it's like 37 or like, uh, like I'm talking about like, let's say it's 737 or 736. So it's like, it's still early in the five minute candle and it's, it's a new five minute. I'll be very aggressive on those initial one minute candles because I feel like it's still the beginning of a front side move as opposed to like, let's say it's 748 or 749. There's a lot more hesitant. Um, what's a good, uh, is that the right terminology? He hesitancy, I almost want to say. <laughs> like you can really feel it. And sometimes the pullbacks will be a lot more aggressive later on in a five minute candle. So if it's early on, I'll, I'll buy those, I'll buy the ask and I'll be quite aggressive, but later on I, I won't be. But most of your, you, most of your buys are limit orders. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all my buys are limit orders and then the little bit of trading I do. Well, yeah, pre-market all of my trades, obviously, because that's the only option. And then after the market opens, um, pretty much, I, I don't really use market orders. Sometimes I'll buy higher than the current price. Cause I really want to get in it and it'll basically fill me up to my limit price. So in a way that's a market order, but I just, I don't need, do I have hotkeys for market orders? Wait, let's see. This is, I don't think so, <laughs> which is kind of sketchy. So yeah, that just know. kind of goes into my mindset where I almost never use market orders. Yeah, it's kind of on the opposite. I only use market orders. Yeah, yeah, I know. You and Tom are both totally the opposite when it comes to that. I'm just trying to figure out how you get into your positions in the pre-market. Yeah, sometimes like, you still have to be aggressive. So like you're you're buying the ask often. Um, because if, if, if you don't, what we were talking about, this is like 10 pods ago, you miss so many moves by like one or two cents because you don't get filled on the bid. And it is so stressful to miss a move because of one cent. So, yeah, if, I miss if, if, by one cent yeah. all the time. And yeah, I hit, and hit the ask, and it will jump the, the next penny, and not yeah. get filled. <laughs> yeah, and then you're, you're just one of the most. Chasing. 
chasing and up then up, and then i'm like 10 cents over where i want to be and then it, then at that point it wants to pull back yeah and I was just that's that's why i, I start collecting too. all of my all of my chases so then it's i'm in a huge position at that point <laughs> yeah you just they don't them. delete out after you know they don't execute they just stay there so i'm just chasing 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 and i don't have time to clear them all out and then it dumps and then i'm like okay now i'm in for twice as much as i wanted to be at, at twice the price how it's going against me a lot of my big losers are like that i'll notice i'm chasing because i didn't get my fill when i should have just been buying the ask when it was slightly pulling back um mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's what Danny, doesn't doesn't dos have a like special orders like i know um i don't know if this is just for futures I don't, i'd imagine it's not but for trade station i can do an order that's like a bid plus one so it's yeah, not you actual offsets you can have yeah. offsets with dos which is one of the main reasons that i wanted it you can do bid i have mine set for bid plus two ask plus two yeah. um and mm. then same way the other way and then i have kind of a bailout hot key for sell bid minus five cents if I'm trading after hours or anything like that. And I just need to bail because obviously you can't set a market order to bail. Yeah. Um, so I have those hot keys set up, but uh, that's a main reason that I use market orders because number one with TD in particular, being a uh, non-commissioned broker, they have their own internal order matching. So very frequently when you send a market order, they'll just fill your order from whatever shares and orders they have going through internally. And it doesn't even actually go to the market. So you'll get a faster, better fill most of the time sending a market order that way through TD. Um, so that's one of the main reasons that I send market orders aside from just when I miss a trade by like one cent. Um, that's like one of my biggest triggers. I'm like, I was watching that. I knew that was the trade. and like I would way rather just be in the trade, like here, somewhere in here and get out somewhere up here than just miss the trade, get in late when it's already pulling back, you know, that kind of nightmare. Yep. We had a long pot about this exact topic. I remember. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. <laughs> That's so interesting. I think that, that, that like a lot of our orders don't actually get put into the market. I wonder, yeah. I wish I could just know, man. I just, oh, fuck. Like before I die, I just need to meet a market maker or <laughs> fucking Ken Griffin or some motherfucker. And I just want to be like, dude, how many of our orders are straight up just bullshit data collection so you guys can do the opposite? Like just, <laughs> like just all of them. <laughs> just tell me, like how many retail orders go into the legitimate New York Stock Exchange? How many are not fucking filtered through some bullshit clearinghouse in some weird fucking offshore country? Like, I bet you it's like 90% of them are all bullshit. That is a good idea for your YouTube channel. You should just wait outside like certain trading <laughs> houses and just be having a microphone ready and be like, how much of this is BS? <laughs> Tell me. No, they're going to fucking like arrest me and I'll fucking just be gone. They'll be like, where'd Colby go? I haven't <laughs> seen him in 10 years. <laughs> they shit me off to some fucking island. Dang. Yeah, that could happen. It's true. <laughs> but then you'll be on an island for free, so... Yeah, Thanks, actually, it doesn't dude. sound too bad. <laughs> Be like, we'll put him on an island all by himself. He's fucked forever. I'm just like, thanks, bro. <laughs> Colby's finally lo loving life. <laughs> all right. As long as you give me a surfboard and I can learn how to do that, I'm chilling. Dude, yes. I forgot that I texted you about that. <laughs> yeah.
I was at the beach and I'm like, I want to surf so bad, man. Cause I just love whenever I'm it's warm outside and just nice out. I'm just a happy fucking guy. I just, I'm so happy. I spent so much time outside whenever the sun's out. I would love to live near the ocean. It'd be so cool. It's I was, so I, I was last two weeks I was in South Germany and I was just like, you know, I wasn't by the ocean, but I had such a good time. The nature there is beautiful. You're right by the mountains. There's lakes everywhere. It feels like a literally like a, one of those child's books with like everything is perfect <laughs> uh, children books. And uh, man, I, and then I was like having to go back to Berlin and I was like, man, I am, I'm so ready for living somewhere where there's more nature. And Berlin mm-hmm. is very green city, but uh, I really miss like outdoor activities like surfing or mountain biking, hiking, stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So I, I feel you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I was looking at, I was looking at land in like Belize because my girlfriend was born in Belize and uh, you can get like two miles of beachfront property. It's like 50 K <laughs> like, uh, all right. I'm not living in America. The second I have money, I am leaving this fucking place. Belize is a cute little place. I think there's even some some surf there, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's not the best, but I'm pretty sure like Boca del Toro and Panama and uh, Santa Terrenas and Costa Rica. Those are yeah. like high surf areas. The the other side of, of yeah. um, Central America. Because yeah, the West Coast. Pacific, otherwise, the, the Caribbean islands break all the swells. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, anything else you guys want to add? <laughs> I mean, we're all like talking about <laughs> vacation time here. And dude, that's kind of what it's all about, right? Summer trading, like you really make most of your money in probably 20% of the, the days you actually trade. So yeah, I don't I don't mind taking a bit of time off. How, how I'm trying to keep that in mind and I'm trying to just keep my drawdown as small as possible. Like last yeah. year, um, I've talked about it before, but last year, july into the first week of august made like 11 grand real quick um one day gave nine of it back and was in a drawdown for the next three months so i'm just being aware of that and like i'm in a five thousand dollar drawdown right now with almost all of it coming from just last friday um and given the year i've had so far that's not a big deal at all i just need to kind of level out here and like obviously the market is not hot right now um just have to be super aware of that and just try to manage and adapt and and uh take good trades totally agree would you guys ever consider taking like a whole month or two or three off during the summer and just coming back or, i don't know i don't know what either i do <laughs> yeah i would only do it if i had a really fun side business that i could work on Right. There'd have to be a good reason for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if I made a million dollars, I'm doing it. I don't give a shit. So. Yeah. But. Or I mean, even like, I don't like, I don't know, going on a sail trip for like a month or two, you know, just getting a sail uh-huh. boat and getting offline. The, the funny thing about that though, is why do you have to make a million dollars first to like make the good decision to be out of the market in the slow time? Yeah. True. There we go. You know, even though we're all still sitting here, <laughs> it's. I, I think I was writing Tom about that today because um, he said he was going to make the pod, and then I was I was just writing him, and he was 
also like talking we were talking a little bit about like lulls and slow phases and um i was just saying like you know getting out of the market is sometimes really nice like my i i just took two weeks off and then before i had my surf trip took a little bit off but there's the reverse side of that where and this kind of flows with what danny was saying like what's your reason of taking off and also like we don't want to get rusty and we don't want to get scared to trade like if you if you took two three four weeks off and you didn't trade then you might be really hesitant to like start throwing in orders again and i think that's why i traded on the train today even though it wasn't the best internet because i was like i don't want to get in the mindset of like not trading i'd rather keep practicing and taking stabs and even if those are red trades at least like i'm staying nimble in my mind so i think that's probably what what draws us to the market sometimes more than the money is is just to make sure that we're still in shape maybe mm -hmm. yeah i wonder that's what i was thinking because we we do know like you know don't don't trade bad markets but at the same time we still do it but is it because we're just horrible at following our own rules or is it because part of us does understand that we have to you know uh you know kind of go to the gym and 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 stay fit in, in terms of but you know in terms of trading I'm not i sure. bet once you're past like the five year to maybe maybe a little bit longer i don't know i just whenever you say that i think of people like ross where okay granted yes ross is probably making millions of dollars like completely outside of trading so that's gonna help but I think he just doesn't like, he just knows it's like my expected value is just so massively negative in relation to what I could be making with the size yeah. that I would use. It's just not worth it at all. And the second he comes back though, his strategy is so simple. Like he's yeah. a master at that five minute new high, you know, that stuff, like he'll be able to just crush that shit the second he comes back. And I, it was funny. Nate was hitting, Nate was talking to me the other day and he was like, I wonder when we'll feel like we like made it or whatever. And I was like, honestly, I feel like whenever we are totally desensitized at all to like any kind of PL change, that's whenever we actually are like legitimate traders. Where I mean, not to, I mean, I'm way worse. I'm not even close to legitimate traders compared to you guys, but um <laughs> that's just how I see it. Cause I'll see people like this guy saying Lucci. I mean, he made a million and lost a million like five times this year already. And he's just sitting there in Puerto Rico, just like waking up every day, smiling on his face, just streaming on Twitch, just hanging out, fucking putting 50K size into like some sketchy ass option. And he'll make two, he'll make 50K and then he'll lose 50K. And he just doesn't care at all. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we definitely have to be desensitized for sure. And in a way, it just happens over time. It's not like, you know, <laughs> like I've lost so many times on reversals that every time it happens now, I'm just so unsurprised that I don't even care. So I'm more likely to not take that shitty trade because I just genuinely am like, I'll probably fucking lose anyway, you know? Yeah. And you just take the second trade, you know, rather than your first planned entry, which is usually a better trade anyway. If you just the skip first the first gut, one. First gut instinct, yeah, I think is always the the thing to go for. Because there's a reason you're getting that feeling or or seeing whatever you're seeing. And like, you know, worst case scenario, you take the trade, hopefully with manageable share size. If you do take a loss that it's just, you know, okay, I took a loss and that's what it is and you move on. But when you have that gut and then it goes and then you take the second trade or like you FOMO in or whatever, 
and then you yeah. take the loss then you're then you're mad because mm-hmm. you're like i knew it i missed it and then i took a loss yeah that is the it's worst like a triple punishment yeah i feel like that's so common for small caps for whereas for me yeah it's like usually the first trade for an index is going to be wrong Whereas I need to give it more time to show me where it's going to be. Well, yeah, because with indexes and the major large caps and all of that, those levels are so respected. Like you hit a level once, maybe, probably it's okay. You hit it a second time, like that's a that's a solid entry. Yep. Yep. That's so true. When I trade large caps, I I literally switch that mindset more where you know, it'll pull back and I'm like, it's probably not done pulling back. And then it ends up, you know, like every, or like a breakout, it's, you know, a small cap, one or two attempts, it doesn't break out. You, you got to run for the woods, but with large caps, you know, you'll be on breakout attempt number 10 and, you know, that's the one that makes it. So like, it's way slower. It's like, let me size into this pullback because they'll probably pull back like six times awkwardly before it which is hilarious because i was looking at my stats and i was looking at all the trades where i averaged into my losers and they're all fucking winners <laughs> and i was like oh so the one rule that everyone always said is like the number one cardinal sin of trading is like the thing i should be doing i guess that makes sense i must be the most idiotic person of all time <laughs> let's go you hear that toby size and <laughs> what is interesting though is... for large cap though yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not a small cap thing. Yeah. What so, is interesting though, especially after large caps, I think that actually works to an extent. It does. Yeah. It depends on your sizing and what levels you're sizing into. Like if you're taking small size and then kind of averaging down, but really what you're doing is, is like sizing into a, a good level to reverse mm-hmm. off of, then mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense why it would turn into a winner. Yeah. Yeah, like I looked at my average trade and usually if I win on a trade, I never draw down more than like seven points, but it's not uncommon for me to draw down like five, whereas I'm usually looking for like 10 Mm -hmm. points on a trade. So that kind of helped me be like, well, if I'm not willing to draw down at least five points from this entry spot or seven, then I should not be getting in this trade because that is somewhat of a likely scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different than small caps for sure, because... Yeah, by then you're gonna probably miss the move if you're if you're taking too long to size in. But yep. yeah, with large caps, it's more of like a rounded bottom, right? Where it does like several. Dips. Yeah, the spy right now today it hit the low of day, eh, like not the low low of day, but one point above the low of day, which is basically the low of day at ten fifteen, and it just finally broke and made a reversal now, and it's twelve oh five. So that's two hours of consolidation at the low of day, and yeah. it faked out the low and broke it by one point and then kept going up. So that little people fake out are, probably scared so many like, people out. People are like freaking out too about the spy pullback right now. Yeah. We're at 446. We hit 460, literally what, like 10 or 15 points below all time highs. And they're like, why are we dropping so much? What's, does anybody see news? And it's like, guys, we just bounced 80 points off of yeah. low. <laughs> It's yeah, just like a healthy relax. retrace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. We're almost at all time highs. It's insane. Yeah. It could this literally pull back healthy. like 20 points and it'll still be somewhat healthy. You yeah, know? for sure. It could even go back down to here before it finds support off the 180 SMA and just continues. It's, it's little, and this could just be pure profit taking. Who knows? <clears throat> I've been seeing like some smarter people talk about how the earnings guidance has been 
pretty awful and it's kind of like similar to 2021 right now and then same with obviously the fitch the fitch stuff where they downgraded us our credit rating you know which hasn't happened since 2011 but i don't fucking know all that shit is bullshit buy the fucking spy shut up yeah don't tell me anything i don't care (laughs) seven out of ten days forever in the history of time are green days in the spy and that's not going to change until the u.s is not number one so yeah buy the spy and shut up (laughs) literally buy the spy and shut up (laughs) no you gotta shut the fuck up (laughs) that's called quote right there (laughs) One thing that I have found very interesting, though, which has been helpful in me sizing up is whenever I do take a red day or a bigger red day, I always notice that like, at a certain point, I stop caring. And I'll start throwing like, let's why don't we buy this dip with 7000 shares? Why not? Um, And you realize when you take like double, triple size, it's like, you know, nothing terrible happened to you. And, and then by the end of the day, like, you know, you end up with your red day or whatever it is. Um, but you can come back in on a fresh day and you're like, I took way bigger size yesterday. Nothing bad happened to me. What happens if I take big size like that on good trades and while I'm not red? So, you know, even though those red days suck, especially the bigger ones, um, that is something that I can take away from them. And it depends on the type of market. Like right now I'm trying to size up and we're just not getting very much to work with, but it is eye-opening when you take a trade with 7,000 shares and you get 10 or 20 cents out of it. And it's immediately a grand. I totally agree with that. I was, I was having the same thought. Like if I take these high risk, like hail Mary, Mary trades, when I'm like, you know, kind of in red and I'm trying to come back or something, why am I not doing that when I'm green? And yeah, Exactly. It's a really, really good observation. I think it's a great point you made. Yeah, it's so just funny like, how you just you know, figure out how caring. to do that first. Yeah, why not do it first? What was that, Col- Colby? So true. How like once you hit a certain like once I'm at like seventy percent <laughs> of my planned max loss, I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Let's see <laughs> Clearly, we're and losing just... money today, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter what we do from here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You immediately take a trade and you're just like, fuck, why'd I do that? That's that's I'm wearing a perfect shirt for that. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, bro. That's that snake is Ken Griffin and that arm in there is me. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. That is good. That's might as well find out. (laughs) Yeah. Find out. I, I think that's perfect. That's probably honestly a great way to wrap up i mean that's that's a lot of food for thought and i think everyone should be thinking yeah. about that a lot more like if you're willing to take on so much risk when you're red you should be yeah. you should be taking on that risk when you're in the flow and in green and you yes, should be exactly. doing that 5 10x size i think it's a really good point it's funny you said that i literally was was thinking about that yesterday i was mm-hmm. weird yep yep i've got 299 bucks in the hole right now so while we were talking a few minutes ago i got that pop on crdf from 224 to 231 with 3,000 shares so that helped a lot so i'm like if i can find 10 cents somewhere i'm good but i took that i'm sorry i interrupted you kind of while you're no you're fine 
the size of or why what like when you're when you're red how you can be a little bit more aggressive and then i was i made a bunch of noise but uh i was shorting at 222 and that flushed and then i i caught it right at the bottom of the flush so that was nice. that was a good winner for me oh almost went to the <laughs> oh on the one that yeah from 222 down to 213 just a few minutes ago yeah nice. you're in the middle and i was like oh <laughs> Because I was shortened, shortened from 222. Nice. All this Colby talk about doing the opposite and stuff. <laughs> now I'm short. ready, man. Let's go. I need <laughs> another shorter. The only problem is I short the spy. I'm not going to blow up, but there's just, if you short small caps, there's just an inevitable day. It's coming at some point. You're losing that whole fucking account, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, you know, it's, I don't understand it at all. Your max win potential ever at any point, no matter what is a hundred percent. Yeah. And Probably closer like, to like 95 or something. Yeah. Yeah. More than likely you're only going to catch maybe 30%. And that is like a really, really good short, but you know, we had VTGN yesterday go up 1300%. We had SNMP the other day go, or the other week go up. What was it like 2,500%? It's like how it's, it's like, it's cute. It's like, I got my locates. They were cheap. <laughs> okay, great. Have fun with that. Add that into the equation too. It's like, wait, so yeah. your max, your maximum potential is like what? 90% if the thing goes fucking bankrupt and yeah. to get that, to get a good win, you need to size up so insanely high, like to get. To be have a Ross day where you're making 250k, uh, yeah, you need like 10 million into some shitty small cap, you know what I mean? And you make what, a fucking five percent or some crazy shit, you know? It's like that's so the, not worth it. Pay for the locates yeah. on top of it. Yeah, yeah. The second you enter the short, you're yeah. down because of yeah. the locates. You know, you're down one to two percent because of the locates anyway. It's a tough game. I mean, most of these small caps, right? Like 95% of them go down. So it's like you have that going for you, but it's, it's a tough game. The risk, the risk but is it's really when, when yeah, do they the, go down and how much do they run up before they go down? Yeah, exactly. It's the, in those black swan events um, that could just kill you. I mean, even with uh, EDTX, for example, which I'm freaking still in that 30 day hold yeah. or whatever long. I like if I was short and I knew it could open up and let's say it was at $2 and I knew it could open up at 10 or 60. I, I don't know if I would sleep very good, but right now I'm like, who cares? You know, if it opens up, if it gets delisted, I'm out 6k, whatever, you know, it's like really not stressful. I wonder what happens if you are short. Let's say you have like 50k in a TOS account. You shorted, what was the price of it? 62 or something like so that. this one went from like two to 60 and i i traded it yeah. around 60 dollars. so so if you shorted 100 shares that's like six grand so let's say you have 50k in that account what would happen if you took out the remaining like 44k can they not so like if that went up 200 if it went up whatever a thousand percent from that level would they liquidate your full 50k account or are they going to liquidate you once you're down 100%? There's usually a margin call that happens once you like you're 25% away from your account basically getting to your zero. Your full account. Yeah, your full account. Yeah. But if it's getting halted and it's like I I don't know, 
Like at one point you would technically owe them. I'm not sure what happens. Like I could come. Yeah. Like what if you took out the rest of the money and you only had the only money left in your account was the money that was tied up into EDTX. Right. You know, and it went and it blew up anyway. Would they try to say, well, you had 50K in your account when you took this trade. So you owe us the remaining 44K. They would probably try to settle the funds due. I would assume. Danny, do you know more? Have you heard anything? No, I, no, that's, that's hurting my brain a little bit. I know, right? I was like, dumb question of the day. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I did remember reading something on Reddit or Wall Street Bets where their account all of a sudden went like negative 200,000, even though they only put in like $2,000 and even one guy committed suicide it was like really dark but i've heard some crazy stories where like your broker will tell you some really scary stuff if you're shorting that's fucked yeah yeah so shorting you know (laughs) good luck (laughs) if you want to be really smart be like me and try to short the spy where you can't blow up but you will lose seven out of ten days for the rest of your life (laughs) Oh, that's strong. I'll stick to smalls. Yeah, have fun. But you gotta get the reversal. (laughs) I'll get it. Today it happened and I fucking break even, but it's like those memes that are like when you finally make two dollars and fifty cents on your trade, but you're actually down like a thousand dollars overall, and the guy's like celebrating. Yeah, like boom, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good memes. All right, guys. Uh I guess good luck with the rest of the week. Hopefully we can roll out some yeah. bigger winners. Today had some potential, so let's uh let's hope for some more. I'm just cool. trying to take each day from zero. If I can be green any amount each day, that's all I'm asking for right now. Especially if it's above average your daily average or something. Above my daily average would be awesome. I've my daily average this year is like a thousand. Oh wow, that's freaking beautiful. Which is- yeah, for winning days and lost days, actually, they're both about a thousand. So, yeah, that'd be great. We'll see. Don't have a whole lot to work with right now, but that could change at any moment. Yeah, got to be ready. To have a win rate better than thirty yeah. percent. Constant vigilance. All right. Well, good luck, and see you guys in the Discord. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> later, boys. Later. See you guys. Ciao.